What's going on, everybody? This is Pastor Josh, and you are listening to another episode of the Preach That Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Preach That Podcast. I am Pastor Josh. Thank you guys for joining me. If you see a cut, uh, a quick transition on this video, it's probably because I had to cut out me responding to a text message. Um, my wife and I are in the middle of an extremely difficult home purchase, and so we're trying to communicate back and forth with her, with the realtor, with everything. It's nuts. We, we'll tell the story on here one of these days and give all of the details at some point, but right now, I'm going to try to focus on something else because it's driving me up the wall. Anyways, that's not your concern. Just a little peek into what's going on in my life. Um, this week on the podcast, I've got the last message that I shared here at our church, um, which actually isn't even online. You can't even find it on the church website or YouTube because I have not put it on there. Uh, everything has been so busy. Life's been so crazy lately um, that I have not gotten that one up on the church site. So this is officially the only place to find this particular message. Um I had mixed feelings about this message that there's, I was excited about it. I felt like I didn't deliver it as well as I could have or should have. But then thinking back, I changed my mind. I don't know how to feel. So I need your input to let me know how I should feel about this message. Um, it's the premise of it is kind of basic. And so maybe that's why I felt like it wasn't my best work or anything, I guess you could say, um, just because it it was a little difficult at times to expand upon such a simple, basic topic. Um, the title, which you've probably seen already by clicking on this video, of that message was called Everyday Disciples. And I really dive into what is a disciple, because we all have our own definition of a disciple. What exactly is? What's the definition? I go into uh, the original Greek language of the New Testament to find out the meaning of the word that they used for disciple. Um, I don't have it directly here in my notes, and I'm not even going to try to look it up and pronounce it because I'll butcher it like I always do. But um, it's a really good reflection because I think most of us that call Christ our Lord and Savior would consider ourselves a disciple, would refer to ourselves as a disciple, but are we really? And that's something that I really want dove into in this message that I really hope that you guys can get out of it. Um, some really good practical definitions, explanations, tools, usages for being a disciple, how to be a disciple, how to continue and grow in that. Um, it's something that's really important. Um, but like I said, I go into a little bit of the original Greek language um, just to get that deeper meaning. I would really encourage you guys. I don't know how many, I've talked about it a whole bunch with James, with Brandon and my messages, blueletterbible.org that helps you get the original root words, root meaning, um, the original language. It, it explains it so, so, so well. I would really encourage you guys to check that out if you have not already. Um, but one of the big underlying topics of what it really means to be a disciple is and I dive into this a lot, the importance of studying the Word of God. And I know that sound, some of you are going to probably turn it off right now because like, wow, that's boring. I don't want to just sit here and read. Guys, it's so important. I, I wish more people understood how important it was to spend time in the Word, to study the Word. Um, man, I should have looked it up before I started recording here. I don't want to take too much time. I might go ahead and look it up here in a second. But there was a study done recently 
about people that read their Bible and people that read their Bible one day a week, two days a week, and three days a week, it, it helped a little bit. They didn't see a whole lot of difference in many areas of their lives. But then when they got to the four days a week, the the change in your mindset, your mental health, your mental state was drastic. I mean, I believe, in, and don't quote me on this, look up the study for yourself. I'm sure if you Google something along the lines of, you know, does it help to read your Bible study or something like that? And it'll probably get some results. But it was like they saw a decrease in loneliness by 30%, an increase in joy and happiness by 30 or 40 or 50%. The numbers were staggering when people spend four days a week in Scripture. I would encourage you to spend time every single day. That's always my goal. Am I perfect? No. Do I fail? Yes. Are there weeks that I don't read my Bible every single day? Yes. I can be honest about it, okay? We get real and we get real and we get raw on this podcast. I'm I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm not going to sugarcoat anything. Um, I'm not going to pretend to do something that I don't or be someone that I'm not. Where nobody's perfect. There's going to be days where it gets away from us and... We maybe even try to sit down and read our word and we fall asleep or something like that. Um, and I, it was in the podcast episode 22, I believe, with Brother James that we kind of actually dove into a, that just a little bit. Um, I would encourage you guys to go check that out if I can remember. If I do remember and I can figure out how to do it effectively, I will try to put a card somewhere up here on the screen um, for you guys. I don't know which side that it'll be on. I'm trying to figure that out. I think it should be this side, but don't quote me on that. Anyways, it's so important to spend time in the word of God. It's crucial. We cannot be, you can't be a disciple without doing that. And you can't, at the the risk of sounding, at the risk of getting some criticism, you can't be a good Christian without doing it. You can be a Christian. I'm not saying you can't be saved. We know, I talk about it all the time. We're saved by grace through faith. It's not by what you do. You're not saved because you read your Bible. Okay? Uh, our lead pastor says it all the time. Sitting in a church, no man makes you a Christian. Then sitting in a garage makes you a car. Reading your Bible, no man makes you a Christian. Then reading, then sitting in a garage makes you a car. Man, I butchered that. But you get the point. So it's not about earning anything. It's about our relationship. It's about us seeking the Lord, being obedient to Scripture, being obedient to what He says, and seeking the kingdom of God. That is what it's all about. So it's uh, there's in this uh, message I go through several different verses on the importance of reading the Word, Old Testament and New Testament. I know there's people out there that don't like the Old Testament and. Sorry that you don't like the Old Testament. I don't know what to tell you. It's valuable. All of Scripture is God breathed. Uh, what verse is that? Man, I just did a I just did a video, a short video on that today. I'm not going to try and quote it because I messed it up. I think it's Second Timothy three sixteen, if I do remember correctly. So look that up. Pause this video. Look up Second Timothy three sixteen. See if that's correct. But Scripture is useful. Old Testament, New Testament. It's all applicable to us as the church. It's not all about us as the church. It's not all to us as the church, but it is all for us as the church. There is value in Scripture. There is value in reading your Bible and spending time in the presence of God. Another tip, before you read your Bible, pray, ask the Holy Spirit 
to illuminate the Word of God to you, to speak to you, and pray that He will help you close off your, shut down your mind and open your heart and your spirit to receive what it is that He's speaking to you through the Word. I promise if you pray that prayer before you read your Word every single time, game changer. Okay, I promise, game changer. I'm telling you right now. Um, so I talk about some a bunch of different scriptures on the importance of reading your word, but also scriptures on discipleship and what that looks like to not only be a disciple, but make a disciple. I mean, disciples make disciples. And I was looking up, I tried to find it, and I kind of forgot that I was in the middle of looking up because I got a phone call from a realtor, but yada, yada. Nope, don't say the yada, yada. Sorry. That's a whole other discussion. Blah, blah, blah. We'll stick with that one. Um, remind me in the comments or something. I will try to explain why not to say yada yada? It's a Hebrew thing. But anyway, I forgot that I was looking that up whenever I got that phone call that interrupted me. Um, but there is scripture that talks about that sheep beget sheep. Basically, sheep produce sheep. We are in charge as disciples of Jesus Christ to make disciples of Jesus Christ. It's in Ma the book of Matthew, the Great Commission, as we all know it, to go into the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of, of Jesus it's it's our job. It's our duty as followers of Christ. Um, I've talked about it a while back, but I think it was uh, Penn Gillette from the from the magician's Penn and Teller. He's an atheist, and he had a video that went viral that he commented. And as an atheist, he does not respect Christians if they do not proselytize in his word or if they do not evangelize. Basically, his thought process is, how much do you have to hate somebody to believe that you have the answer to avoid an eternity in hell, and then you do not give people that information? How much do you have to hate somebody to withhold the saving knowledge of Christ from them? And I heard that. I was like, man, that's convicting, because we do that a lot. I think we allow the the fear of embarrassment or getting made fun of or shame or messing something up or looking like an idiot we let that get in the way of sharing the gospel when we, it, the gospel's not about us. I heard another pastor, I don't forget who it was, I saw a, a video, a reel on Instagram or something talking about that. And we, we hesitate so many times, I'm going to paraphrase what he said, we hesitate sharing the gospel so many times because we know that we don't live out our faith perfectly. And if we share something that we don't perfectly exemplify, then we look like hypocrites and we forget the gospel is not about us. God for God so loved the world, he sent Josh into the world. That's not how that's not John 3.16. He sent his only son. It's not about me, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. A lot of people say, Well, I don't want to go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites. So Dr. Frank Turk, one of my favorite apologists, says, Oh, that's okay, we got room for one more. <laughs> because we're all hypocrites. It's hypocritical to say that you're not going to go to church because people are hypocritical, because we're all hypocritical. Anyways, let the word of God guide you. Let it be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. It's especially now, as the darker the world gets, the brighter we need to be for Christ, and we can only be brighter if we're studying our word, if we're praying, if we're spending time in his presence, getting to know him, becoming more like him. Um, so this whole message really revolves a lot about around the importance of reading scripture, the importance of being a true disciple. So make sure you stick around for the first, if, if nothing else, stick around for the first five to 10 minutes of the message portion of this podcast. Um, I think we're 10-ish minutes, give or take, 11 minutes, something like that. So watch another five to 10 minutes of this. 
to get the definition, according to the original Greek text for the New Testament, what a disciple is, make sure that you are a disciple according to that definition and meaning, and if not, continue watching the video to make the necessary changes in your life to become a real disciple of Jesus Christ. So, this video is all about discipleship. Discipleship is crucial. It's a massive part of our role as the church, as children of God, as the body of Christ. Um, so I just want to encourage you guys, spend time in your words, spend time in prayer, spend time building the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. It's crucial. So with that being said, I will be done with this intro. I will let you guys get into the message. Um, again, make sure you follow along on social media at Pastor Josh MC on Instagram and TikTok. You can search my name, Josh McLean with one C on Facebook and YouTube. And I believe you can also search on YouTube at Pastor Josh MC and I think it should show up. That's, I'm not exactly sure. With YouTube, you have a name and then a handle. And my name on YouTube is Josh McLean. My handle is at Pastor Josh MC. So you should be able to search and find that. I will put that somewhere down here along. I need to do it in front of the computer because it's going to be up here somewhere on the bottom of the screen. Um, so you guys can follow along there. Uh, in the description of this video, I'll post my link tree. So that way you can also find links to all of those different social media, social media platforms. I believe in that link tree, there's also a link to the Apple and Spotify audio version of the podcast. And if that's where you're listening at, there is the link tree posted in the description of this episode on Apple and Spotify that will include all of that as well as YouTube if you'd like to watch. So I always try to make sure there's links and access to every different avenue on all of the different avenues. That way you guys can follow along however you prefer. Um, my goal is to always produce this content in a way that you can enjoy it and consume it and interact with it in whichever platform is available and your favorite. So make sure you like, subscribe, all of that kind of stuff. I seriously appreciate it. The, everything is continuing to grow. Audio, uh, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, everything is continuing to grow because you guys are incredible with interacting and because God is in the midst of all of this. And that's the most important thing. That's the best part about all of this is that I am, I'm following the leading of the Holy Spirit. I'm following the Lord, and I hope that you will follow him with me. Remember, Paul says to follow me as I follow Christ. That's what I'm, my goal is to always embody a pastor, a husband, a father, a human being that follows Christ, that's worthy to be followed, not because of anything that I do or anything that I say or who I am, but because of the who I am following, and that's Jesus. So God bless you guys. Thank you guys so much for checking this out. I hope this message uh, speaks to you. I hope that you enjoy it. Make sure you comment below what your favorite part is. Um, put a timestamp on there if there's something that you think that needs to be clipped and shared as a as a more condensed version of it. Um, whatever you want to do, however you want to interact, I appreciate you guys so much. Thank you so much for checking out another episode of the Preach That podcast. Without further ado, here's the message, Everyday Disciples, episode 24. I told you guys I was going to mess it up at some point. Now I got to check before I get out of here. I'm going to take another 10 seconds because I got to double check. Pretty sure it's 24. Da, 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 da. Episode 24 of the Preach That Podcast. I love you guys. I'll see you next time. Okay. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I, I bet all of you guys forgot that we served the living God today, didn't you? No? Well, praise the Lord for that. We serve the living God. There are 
4,000 and some religions, there have been all kinds of gods come and go, but there's only been one that's been eternally self-existent and three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that tasted death and rose again, that went to the grave and came back that went and said, no, 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 I'm not only gonna, I'm not only going to sacrifice my blood, but I'm gonna go, I'm gonna keep, take the keys to hell and I'm gonna come back and give you victory over it in Jesus. Praise the Lord for that, amen. Man, I'm getting all fired up already. Praise the Lord. I'm sure that we have all heard the word disciple before. Has anybody not? And please, if you have not, raise your hand. There's no shame. I want you to be bold and raise your hand if you haven't ever heard of it. I assumed that I wouldn't see. I, Charlie, do you know what a disciple is? I know your family's going to teach you. Don't worry. And if they won't, we will. I'm just, I'm just kidding. But I assumed that I wouldn't, ha, wouldn't hear the, or see any hands raised that didn't know what a disciple was. But we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But we're going to go a little bit deeper than what I have personally seen and heard done before in different churches and in my own life. There's a new level that I want us to go to as disciples here today. We hear it all the time as Christians. We talk about it all the time. Our men's group did a nine-week series about discipling and, and going out and making disciples. But I want to talk about just what that is. I want to talk about exactly what a disciple is and what it is not. And I know we talk about it a lot. We hear about it a lot. And you don't have to answer this out loud, but if I was to ask you a question as we go through this, I want you to think about how you would answer the question, what is a disciple? I've got my got my own that I a description that I would have normally gone to. We've all got our thing, and there are some aspects of what we would describe a disciple that are true, but there are more to it. There is more to it than that that I want to get into. Now, another place that we should go before we get too far into this: Can you be saved and not be a disciple? Yes. Can you follow Jesus and not be a disciple? I know that that sound, that's a foreign concept to a, a lot of people, but Scripture talks about thousands that followed Christ, and it talks about 12 disciples. There is a difference between being saved and being a disciple and being a follower of Christ and being a disciple. And that, before I really dove into it a lot, that was always just my definition of a disciple is, well, it's somebody that follows Christ, that believes in God, that, that believes that Jesus was the Messiah, that that's a, you know, that's a disciple, but there's another level to it that we need to get to, especially in the season that we're in right now. It's not a follower and not just a believer, but if you go into, and I'm telling you, I talk about it all the time. I told the first service, like, I try to act like I'm like the, the macho, like, you know, athletic type, you know, I don't, I don't look like it anymore, but, you know, the, the jock in high school and, you know, the tough guy that likes cool stuff. But deep down in my heart, I'm really a nerd. It's just the truth. And I'm going to talk about the going deeper into scripture all the time. I'm going to talk about blueletterbible.org all the time because there's so much information and knowledge and wisdom that you can access there that I think people all the time, whenever I give you the Greek definition of the word disciple, are going to be like, well, how does he know Greek? Guys, I haven't taken a Greek class yet. I'm going to, I hope to some, at some point soon, but I have not taken a Greek class. I have not taken a Hebrew class, but thankful, thankful for the technology that we have today we can start to learn a little bit of this stuff without going to university and going to Bible college and learning all of these things. 
I don't want you guys to be held back because you feel like you can't learn or don't have the ability to learn certain things. But if you go into the Greek language in the New Testament that it was written in, and you look at the word disciple, the definition of disciple is more than just a follower and a believer. It's actually a learner. To be a disciple of Jesus is to be a learner of Jesus, someone that learns from Jesus. It makes a lot more sense that there were thousands that followed Jesus, but only 12 that were called disciples because not everybody was ready to learn from Jesus. We see different instances where people come up and say, I want to follow you, I want to be your disciple. And he says, okay, go and sell everything you've got and give it to the, give the proceeds to the poor and come and follow me. It's like, oh, they didn't like learning what really being a disciple was all about. Being a disciple is being a learner. We need to be in our word. And I talk about it all the time, and I will say it until I'm blue in the face. This is my new Bible, and I love this thing. It's all fancy. It looks pretty. It's a great color, and I've got the gold on the pages, and some of the pages are still stuck together because I haven't gotten through this particular Bible cover to cover yet, and I love this thing. But this hunk of leather and this paper is just leather and paper. But when I open it, and I start to read what's printed on it, there's a new level of power. There's a new level of, of anointing that comes. There's a new level of relationship with God and relationship with Christ that comes when I open this leather and this paper and I read the words that were spoken from heaven and written on it. I think, and, and I know that I'm young compared to some and I'm old compared to some. I'm kind of caught in that middle ground a little bit. And most people my age and younger aren't really toting around a Bible anymore and, and everybody just likes the Bible app. And I, listen, I use the Bible app a lot because I just don't carry this everywhere I go. I also got three kids, so it's a little difficult to carry this around everywhere I go. So, But I've got the Bible app. There's nothing wrong with the Bible app. And so it's, it's weird to hear a younger man stand up here and talk about a physical book and opening and turning the pages. And there's nothing that's the same word. It's the same word of God that is printed here and downloaded digitally here. But there's just something about opening the pages and turning them and highlighting them and praying and, and just laying your hand on it while you pray and just asking God to illuminate the word to you. I'm not saying that doesn't take place in other forms of Bible, but there's something that is, there's a reason that I've been toting this thing around up here the last several weeks. God has just impressed on my heart, and I've talked about it in the, the last several messages, and this message is pretty much all about Scripture. Not just from Scripture, but about Scripture. Every message preached here is from Scripture, but we, we preach on different, about certain subjects or certain things, and we learn and we grow. But this one is all about the words that are written on these pages. I know some people are going to talk about how, oh, well, that's just legalistic of you or just so traditional of you to, to say that we need to read our Bible and I can believe in God without going to church and I can believe in God without reading my Bible. And while that may be true, there's a reason that Scripture talks about someone that wears the name of God but lacks the power thereof. Reading Scripture is important. We should spend time in our word. I'm going to go through a few verses because the people that think that it's legalistic or traditional or just religion to say that you should devote time to read your word every day have obviously not spent a whole lot of time in it. So I'm going to go to the word to see why we should spend time in the word. 
Now this list is going to, it's going to pop up as a list because I didn't want to make my mom and Jess click through all these really fast as I go through them. But I've got several here. There was, I think, like a hundred. I found a list of a hundred different verses that explain why it's important to read your word. And I picked these few out. John 8, 31 and 32 says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Abide here, it means to continue to be present in, to be held and kept continually. To abide in his word is to be held and kept in his word continually. Just as Thessalonians tells us, I think it's first or second, I think it's first Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. Abide means to be in continually, in his word continually. Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law shall not, shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And I know that some people will say, well, that's the Old Testament. That doesn't apply to the church. The the church should only learn from the New Testament. Well, then I hope that you are okay with Joshua 1, 9 not applying to your life, where it says, be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and be, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, we can't have it both ways. We can't, we can't want the promises of the Old Testament, but only adhere to the teachings of the New Testament. It's, not, it's, it's split up separately, but they don't sell it separately on, for a reason. Yes, you can get the New Testament and the small versions for a handy thing. But there's a reason that this Bible that looks like this, that is Genesis to Revelation, is the most sold book in the history of the universe. Because it all applies to the church. It's not all about the church. We've heard Pastor Tim share that many times. It's not all about the church, and it's not all directly to the church, but it is all for the church. Scripture is important. We don't get to pick and choose which parts apply and which parts don't. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture. So there, if you only want to adhere to the New Testament, sorry, the New Testament says that all scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Psalm 119.105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I need that lamp and that light in this dark world that I am walking around in on a daily basis. Romans 15.4 says, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction. There's another New Testament verse that points to all of Scripture. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. Now this passage actually says before and after that verse that we should look to please our neighbor for his sake as Jesus did not come to please himself. Paul then writes that through this instruction we may the God may the God of endurance and encouragement grant us to live in harmony with one another. So there is actually scripture that tells us that by abiding in scripture that is where we find unity as a church. That's where we find unity in Christ. So often the word of God is used in and out of the church to cause division and say, no, this passage actually means this. That passage actually means that. When scripture is intended to bring us together as brothers and sisters in Christ, because there is the truth. That is what we are seeking after. 
2 Timothy 2.15 says, do not do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. John 5.24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. It's almost like the Holy Spirit was talking to Allie up here too, huh? We have passed from death to life. We also know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. So when we hear the word of God, faith comes to us. Pastor Greg preached last week all about faith and that faith that sustains us. I think we get the point that it's important that we spend time in God's word. At our leadership meeting last month, we ended it by going around the room and everybody that was there shared one thing that we love about our church. And the thing that I shared that I loved about our church that overall, as, as a whole, I believe that our church loves and hungers for the word of God. I truly believe that. I hear pages turning all the time. I see friends that, that from our church actively using the Bible app every single day. I believe that as a majority, our church loves the word of God. And I know, and not specifically, and I told first service, if I need to turn around so I don't make eye contact with you and you don't think I'm directly talking to you or about you, I can do that if you'd like. But I'm not naive enough to believe that every single person that walks in this church spends time in their word every single day. And if that's you, listen, this is not a message of condemnation. This is not a shame session. I'm not going to call you to the front and beat you with a board with holes in it until you start reading your Bible. This is not condemnation. We know that Scripture says, hey, if I'm going to preach from the Word, I'm also going to preach that the Scripture says that there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. So if Christ is your Lord and Savior, there is no condemnation for you. So there's two groups of people that are going to hear this message. And I want one group to take this as encouragement to continue to read your word. And I want the other group to take this as encouragement to begin and go back to reading your word. Regardless of what group you fall in, this is a message of encouragement today. This is not a shame message. This is a message of encouragement to be in our word, to either continue in our word or get back into our word. We need to be saved and we need to be followers, but we need to be learners as well. We need to be disciples today. And I think that's one of the biggest things that's holding back the body of Christ is there's a lot of Christians out there, there's a lot of followers out there, but there's not as many disciples and learners out there as there used to be or as we need right now. I was recording an episode of my podcast uh, on Friday with uh, Pastor Andrew Columbia. I don't know if any, some of you guys were here whenever he came back in 2016. Um, it was a great conversation I had with him. It was awesome. And one of the things that we had touched on was overall as the church that we just sense this lack of passion and hunger for the word of God. So many, and, and I shared this with him, and I thought it was a joke at first, and as more events unraveled, I realized that I, it probably wasn't, but I actually heard a pastor say one time that you don't need to fluff a good sermon with too much scripture. And I kind of chuckled. I was like, oh, like he's kind of laughing like I think he's joking. And as things unraveled a little bit and were un, unveiled a little bit, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know if he was joking or not. I hope he was, but I'm not too convinced. But there are churches that are, have pulpits that are filled with motivational speakers instead of teachers and preachers of the word. 
Now listen, not every word, okay, I'll give you a little insight here. So on my notes, I have different colors because if it was all one color, I would get confused. And I hope I put these back in the right order. But anything on here that's black is, the, is scripture. Blue are thoughts that the Holy Spirit's given me. Green's important. Red is like teaching and expanding upon scripture. So I've got two pages here with no black on it. I'm not saying that every word said in a church needs to be directly from the word of God, but it better be inspired by the Holy Spirit. It better be inspired by the word of God, and it better not contradict the word of God. That is what's important as I try to make sure I put these back in the right order. I think I got it. Basically, what I'm kind of getting at and the, the, an underlying theme of this whole message, aside from the importance of Scripture, is how we handle Scripture. That re- verse that we read says to show ourselves as one approved rightly handling or rightly dividing or rightly understanding the word of truth. And I think there is a massive cloud over the head of many Christians that is preventing that from happening. You see, a lot of times in our churches, we like to use adjectives to describe our Christianity. Well, I'm a, I'm a conservative Christian, or I'm a liberal Christian, I'm a progressive Christian, and I'm a reformed Christian, I'm a fundamentalist Christian, I'm a traditionalist Christian. We have all these adjectives that describe our Christianity. So I want to go back to grammar school for just a few minutes here so we can understand what that really means. So we know what a noun, a noun is a person, a place, or a thing. And an adjective describes nouns. But it not only describes nouns, but an adjective actually informs the noun. So those adjectives that we place on our Christianity, now I'm a progressive Christian. Well, now what I've done as adding that adjective, and now that adjective progressive is informing the word Christian as to what type of person I am, what type of Christian I am. And now that I'm a progressive Christian, I've got to take this entire book through the lens, through the filter of progressive Christianity or through fundamentalist Christianity or through conservative or liberal or whatever Christianity you want to say it is. When we add those adjectives to it now, when we read John chapter 13, I have to read whatever that says through a lens that will then validate the adjectives that I've placed on my life and explain why I say what I say and do what I do. Well, if I'm a progressive Christian and and this, now that I'm a progressive Christian, I have to read this and whenever it says God is loved, then that means that he loves sin too. So I have to include all that in it because I, I believe this. So I've got to tailor scripture and what it says to fit my life and my agenda and my personality and, and my mind so that way I can understand it and feel good about myself. If, I, if I'm a conservative Christian and I look through this and I say, okay, everything that I say has to be about conservativeness and it has to be this and it has to be that and I can't, I can't agree with anybody that has a different adjective because then that would go against what I believe. I would challenge you to go through cover to cover in your Bible and show me where the word an adjective is placed before the word Christian or disciple. A place where scripture tells us, well, you should have this mindset as you read. No, what scripture tells us to do is rightly divide. To understand the word of truth. 
We add all of these adjectives and we say, oh, well, I had somebody tell me that the gospel was in the book of Acts because they come from a certain type of Christianity that has to believe a certain way for their services to go a certain way and for them to feel a certain way. And so 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4 isn't really the gospel. It was Acts 238 or whatever it was because that fit their agenda and that made their theology work. Sorry, but the gospel is the gospel. The word of God is the word of God. When we add adjectives, when we add ways of thinking on top of what we've already been given, it muddies the waters and it makes it confusing for everybody. The word of God isn't for progressive Christians or liberal Christians or conservative Christians or Protestants or Catholics or Lutherans or apostolics or non-denominationalists or cessationists or charismatics. It's for the disciples of Christ. Not the denomination, the disciples of Christ. For the learners, the ones that follow and believe and learn from God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. So when we hear the word of God, whether you're reading it or you're hearing it preached in church or watching a message online, whatever it is, as we hear the word of God, our faith grows. And as we grow in our faith, we hear the word more and we read the word more and then we learn more. One thing that we learn is found in James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. And there it says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no, no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now listen, nobody take this next part personally, okay? This is not meant to be offensive. This applies to me too. Allie's getting nervous because she doesn't know what I'm going to say. If we all looked in a mirror, there is at least one, if not multiple things, that we would want to slash need to change. I look in the mirror every day and think, man, I should just shave my head and give up. I look in the mirror every day and I'm like, man, I need to lose some weight. I look in the mirror every day and I see these different things that I know I need to change. And that's the whole point of what James is trying to get at. The scripture is a spiritual mirror for our lives. That we not be hearers only, but be doers. That the the words that we hear out of scripture as they grow our faith and cause us to learn more, they cause us to act differently. They cause us to be different. Scripture is a mirror for us. Listen, we have a wonderful church family and beautiful people, but we've all got stuff to work on. Everybody that stands up here on this platform is included in that. Everybody that serves behind the scenes in the front and the back and all the sides of the church, we've all got something that we can improve, something that can change for the glory of God. None of us are perfect. And I'm not saying that we should try to be perfect or that we should strive for perfection, but we should try to be perfect better and we should try to be more like Christ as scripture teaches us. I I haven't heard a, a true Christian ever say that they don't want to be more like Christ but I have heard those same Christians not go to the place where the change comes from. Listen I I wish 
I said this, somebody after first service came up to me and uh, we bonded over our uh, distaste for reading a little bit. It's not my thing. I've started that many times. I listen to books way more than I read them. Sometimes I listen to the Bible too. I'm, I've never been a good reader. I, I, I didn't even read books in high school. I'd go to Sparks Notes or, or uh, whatever the other one was and Cliff Notes and get all that information and, and throw a book report together you know, at 2 a.m. the night before it was due. And as long as I got a passing grade, it was good with me. Amen. I know some people identify with that in here. And as an early Christian, I took that same approach to Scripture. Well, you know, like, I got, I know John 3.16, I memorized it, and, you know, I kind of, I know, I, it, it may take me a minute, but I can flip through here and eventually figure out what books where and find what I'm trying to look for, and, and I'll, just, I'll just Google what if, if I need to figure out what this, this verse means or something. I'll just, I'll just Google it and do that, and I always took the same lackadaisical approach to Scripture. Well, if it worked in school and I got passing grades and I, and I managed to pass a year of college, uh, surely I, that just works for Scripture. I'll just read it when I need it and then move on with my life and then just kind of do my thing. And so many people in the body of Christ operate with that same mindset and then come to church on Sunday morning and wonder why they're struggling and why they're so angry all the time and why their, their finances aren't in order and, and why their, their kids are sick all the time. And we wonder all these things. Why are we dealing with all of this garbage even though we have answers to it at our fingertips? Listen, I, I wish that somebody would come and, and preach at our church and say, hey, if you want to have a close relationship with God and you want to hear from the Lord and you want all of these things, just do these three quick steps. It takes you 72 seconds and boom, done, you're there. I wish that existed. But sometimes it's not always that easy. I'm not saying that reading scripture is the easiest thing in the world. I'm not saying that understanding scripture is the easiest thing in the world. Reading it is even easier than understanding it. It's not easy, but it's necessary. And James is trying to explain that. We should try to be better. We should use scripture as a mirror to examine our own lives and not a tool to beat others up or a tool to defend God. Listen, God doesn't need to be defended. I, I converse with people online all the time that are uh, atheists or disagree and stuff like that, and I don't try to defend God. I'm trying to give them truth and explain and teach them and, so they can understand. So they can understand why a bunch of lunatics come to buildings on Sunday mornings and, and worship this sky daddy, as they like to call him all the time. But really, whenever you have these conversations, and if you shift your focus from trying to defend God to just sharing truth, you'll start to unravel and unveil the real reason behind their motivation for hating a God that doesn't exist. I still haven't figured that one out yet. I spoke to a, this week I talked online to a Satanist that doesn't believe in Satan. Still haven't figured that one out yet either. But when you get down to it, it's all, well, I'm good enough. I can do this on my own. And it's pride. And it's the same thing that happens in the church. We get prideful and say, well, I know scripture. I don't need to read every single day because I, I've got this memorized. Or I'm, I'm, we get prideful. I'm saved. I have eternity set. So, you know, if I just go a couple weeks without reading my Bible or praying to the Lord, or if I just skip church for three weeks to, to go do this or that, it's no big deal. At the root of all evil is pride. 
It happens in the church, it happens out of the church, and it gets in our way of reading Scripture, understanding Scripture, rightly dividing Scripture. How can we rightly divide it if we think that we know how to divide it? I hear people ask all the time, how do I hear God's voice? I want to I hear God's voice. I want to be closer to God. I want to know what he's saying. I want to know what he's speaking in my life. I want to know what he's calling me to do. I heard this recently, and I'm going to steal it because it's really good. If you want to know how to hear God's voice, if you want to know what it sounds like, it sounds like what he wrote. The word of God sounds a lot like the word of God. He has already spoken to us and we can understand what he sounds like. We can understand his character. We can understand. That's how people all the time are like, well, I, I think I heard from God, but I'm not exactly sure. And nobody gets it perfect every single time. There are people that have been in ministry for 50 years that are gonna think that they heard something from the Lord and, and make a mistake. We're, we're not perfect. But those mistakes can become less and less when we get into the word and understand the character of God. Well, I'm not sure if that was the Lord or if that was me. Well, if we're familiar with his word, we'll know what lines up with it, and that was from him. We'll know by his word. We get into the word of God and understand it, become familiar with his voice, and then we will hear his voice when he speaks to us, when he leads us, when the Holy Spirit nudges us and guides us through life. He sounds a lot like what he wrote. Sometimes we don't think this to be true. Sometimes we just kind of glance past it and, and don't think about it. Or we, we think it applies to other people and not ourselves. Listen, if you hear nothing else besides that scripture is important today, I want you to hear this. That the church and our church needs you. It needs every single one of us. The church as a whole needs you the world needs you. Your family needs you. Your coworkers need you. The church needs you. But it needs the disciple version of you. It needs the learner in you that goes to scripture and has a foundation in the word of God. A person that has wisdom, a person that has discernment, a person that has the gifts that come by the Holy Spirit that are taught in the word of God. You want to know what your calling is, what your ministry is, what your anointing is? Go to the word of God. He's not going to anoint somebody to do something that's not in the word. He doesn't change. He doesn't say, well, it's 2023 and, and I'm trying to reach a certain population, so I'm gonna, I need to raise this person up and I really need them to sin in the same way as this group so they can reach that group. He doesn't change. Well, you know, the apostles and the teachers and the evangelists and the prophets, and that was all really good, but I need a prophylangist teacher now because I need to, he doesn't just come up with new stuff. He doesn't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you want to know what you're called to do, read scripture. Get into his word and understand what he has called people in the past to do and see where your gifts and your anointing lines up with that because it is needed in the church today. If we don't have a group of people that know the word of God teaching our kids, I wouldn't let my kids go back there. And then we'd all suffer because they'd be running around in here. But we need 
each other. We need the body of Christ to be learners and disciples to understand, to rightly divide so we can bring others in. We can teach others, preach the gospel to others so that they can be saved and become part of the body of Christ. And then they can walk in their anointing and their ministry as well. You guys want to learn one more thing before we get out of here? Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. It says this. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others say Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, for starters, Peter learned who Jesus was, who Jesus really was. Some people thought that he was an anointed teacher. He was. Some people thought that he was a prophet. He was. But Peter found out who Jesus really is. The Christ. The son of the living God. The Messiah, the anointed one, depending on the translation of the Bible that you're reading. <clears throat> but we can learn something else because we have a little advantage because we get what they wrote. <laughs> we get cover to cover. We get the whole story to learn from. Jesus said that on this rock he will build whose church? His church. Not mine, not yours, not the Catholic church, not the Protestant church, not the Reformed church, not the Baptist church, or the Pentecostal church, or the Apostolic church, or the Apostolic Pentecostal church, or the First Baptist, or Second Baptist, or Third Baptist, or Fourth Baptist, or how many Baptists there are now. He didn't come to build the, the, the global church. He came to build his church. <coughs> and again, if you go back to the Greek, the word my there is not just a regular old like, Ali is my wife. That is true. But Peter, Peter, Zeke, and Caleb are my sons. But the, the word that Jesus used here to say build my church is only used, and it's in, it's in the definition and explanation, is only used emphatically. Jesus didn't say, I've always just pictured, you know, I will build my church. No, Jesus said, on this rock, I will build my church. He wasn't just, it wasn't just something he said in passing or he just said it to get the words out to establish the beginning of the church as we know it. He said, I, will, I have come and on this rock, I will build my church. My church. Because he knew that someday there was gonna be this church and that church and this church and the other church. He came to build his church. And where did he choose to build it? Who was Jesus building his church on? A disciple. A learner. A follower. He knew Peter wasn't going to be around forever. But the foundation of his church 
is followers and learners of him. People that have devoted their lives to learn his word, to study, to show themselves approved, to teach it to other people. Again, we know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he was looking for true disciples to build his church on back then, that's exactly who he needs to continue the work today. Disciples. Now, as Allie and Lindsay get ready to come up here and and help us close out in song, usually at the very beginning, I at least reference the title of the message. And you may or may not be wondering why I haven't read the title of Everyday Disciples yet. Maybe you're wondering why is it called that? He keeps talking about disciples. What what does Everyday Disciples mean? It's pretty simple. Jesus didn't build his church on a group of people that met at the same place at the same time on the same day of the week, every single week, just out of ritual and tradition and habit. Now we know scripture says that to not forsake the fellowship. I'm not saying don't go to church. I'm not saying that this is, this is not relevant to us. But Jesus was building his church on people that were going to walk it out everywhere in front of everyone in every moment of their lives. Now don't forget this. The disciples weren't perfect either. He's not looking to build his church on a foundation of perfection. He is the perfection. He started his church with people that were devoted to him. I've talked about it a lot recently. We all know how many of the disciples ended their life here on earth. People that were willing to go to that extent that they would be willing to die for the truth of the gospel. It's not something, people that think that this is just a made up story, it it blows my mind. Why in that time would a group of Jewish men just come up with this random story out of nowhere and collude together to deceive so many people and that story be based on something that would get them killed in their own circle of people. They, they crucified Christ for blaspheming because saying he was the son of God. Why would a group of men make it up and then according to their scriptures and their laws, blaspheme the word of God? To think that this is just some made up story that has no relevance in our world today is ludicrous. He was building it on people that were willing to serve him no matter what. And we hear all the stuff today, all the time today about church growth. How did the church grow? How did the church that was established on the back of the disciples, on this rock where Christ built his church, how did it grow? I don't remember any church marketing universities and campaigns back then. I don't remember any, any, any great theatrical performances back then. The church was grown by the learners, the disciples, going out and preaching the gospel. Seeing souls saved, seeing lives transformed. Seeing, seeing signs and wonders and miracles take place. That's how the church grew. Listen, there's a lot of human beings on this earth that have just have huge churches that I've built off of marketing and off of this and programs and this and that. We all know that I do technology stuff here. I love all of that. I'm not saying that that is against God. But if we're building churches 
on the foundation of church marketing and church growth strategies and, and this, uh, this, this pastor that's charismatic and this, this child's group because it's, it has all this technology. When we invite people to church and we say, hey, my church is awesome, come see my church, and my church does this, and my church does that. That has a great kids program, it has a great youth group, it has this, and it's a beautiful stage we just remodeled, and we, and we have all these things that we invite people to church for. But what happens when the foundation that their view of the church was built on shakes a little bit? What happens whenever I say something that, that they don't agree with? What happens when someone teaches their child something that they didn't want their child to learn or that they didn't agree with? What happens whenever they come expecting these, these great programs and then it's a little bit off that week or somebody's sick and not there and it doesn't go as smoothly as possible? We build all of these things off of this, this marketing and this strategy and this and that and then we wonder why people get mad and leave and churches split all the time. Well, if the foundation crumbles, the church is going to crumble. But we build churches on the only thing that does not crumble. The only thing that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We build our churches on the same foundation that Jesus built his church on. People whose foundation was the word of God. It's not legalistic, it's not tradition, it's not rules that we have to follow. We don't have to read our Bible, we get to read our Bible. I'm gonna tell you something else. We, we teach scripture all the time, we read it, we study it, we understand it. Something isn't true because it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible because it's true. The only thing that you're gonna find in this book is truth. No matter how hard it may be to face it, no matter how hard the questions about it from, from naysayers may be to answer, the only thing that is in that word is truth. So why wouldn't we go to it in every aspect of our lives? Imagine what our churches would look like if they were built on the foundation that is God's word. If they were led by people that were learners of Christ that were true disciples. The disciples didn't just go and, and meet up with Jesus and say, hey, like, where are we meeting next Sunday? Are we gonna go to, to, we're gonna go over here to Samaria? Are we gonna go over here to Galilee? Where are we meeting on Sunday? They did it every day. Scripture tells us to meditate on his word day and night, to hide his word in our heart. The disciples followed Jesus and learned from Jesus every single day. You wanna know why, why Wednesday and Thursday and Friday are like the toughest days to get through? Because on Monday and Tuesday, we didn't remain disciples. We didn't continue to learn every single day. I promise you, whatever issue you have in your life, whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, if you are a disciple every single day, if you wake up to learn more about God, to learn more from God, to learn more about his word and his character and who he is, those problems will disappear. Not because they just magically go away, because we learn how to handle them correctly. We learn how to avoid a lot of issues that we run into because we live correctly not because it saves us, but because we're saved for it. Because we're saved to do what it tells us to do.
So don't take this as a condemnation on the church. This is an encouragement for our church and all of the churches out there. Either remain in the word or get back to the word. If you haven't been in the word, there's nothing stopping you from today getting back into the word. You don't have to stop doing all of the the bad things that you've been doing. Go back to the word. I hear the example all the time. You don't, take, you don't take a bath so you can take a shower. You don't get cleaned up before you get in the shower. You get in the shower to get clean. You don't have to get cleaned up and fix everything and, and make yourself perfect to go to Christ. You go to Christ and he helps you do that. So either stay in your word or get back to your word. Regardless of which camp you fall in, we all meet in the middle in a place of unity when we are in the word of God. Lord, we thank you so much for your word that is alive and active. Lord, your word that gives the answers to this life that we walk through, that gives wisdom, that gives discernment so that we can make it to our eternal destiny with you. Father, I ask that you would just just turn up the flame, Lord. Increase the fuel to the fire in our churches. Lord, that those that hunger for your word would just become infectious to be around and that just by being in their presence and hearing them talk about the word, others would be drawn to it. Lord, help remind us to get back to the foundation that you built your church on. Help us be those types of people that are grounded in the word of God that are disciples of you that will go out into the world and prevail against the gates of hell. Lord, we love you and we thank you for everything that you do for us, everything that you are to us. Be with us all as we go about our our days and our weeks ahead until we come back together again. I pray this in Jesus' name.